The following podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be sent to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. Are you talking shift? We are. It's time for the We're Talking Shift podcast. Now, now, now. Here to talk shift are your hosts, Lori Bischoff and Candace Parisi. We're talking shift. Hello, I'm Lori Bischoff. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where we talk shift because we believe the antidote to feeling stuck is found by shifting our thinking and learning to listen to our gut, our inner voice, your intuition, whatever you want to call it. So today, I'm going to be talking about going rogue with special guest Deborah Maselli, a.k.a. Medusa and WWE Hall of Famer Alundra Blaze. Yes, this woman goes by many names. I call her Deb. Welcome to We're Talking Shift, Deborah, Medusa, Alundra, Wolf Whisperer. Stands with a fist. I don't know. Cake lover. You go by a lot of names. Carrot cake lover. Yes. <laughs> based on uh, based on a recent conversation. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, uh, it, 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 it is an honor to be here with you on your podcast, um, being a fellow podcaster myself. And I think it's wonderful what you're doing. I've been watching you grow through the years and years of, um, from the time you began your life coaching through all your health and nutrition and, and now you're doing your Facebook live cooking. I just giggle and I'm like, I'm living vicariously through her watching her cook for sure. (laughs) Yeah. That takes a lot of kahunas there. And I'm thinking, well, I, I'm a baker, and I'm a funny-ass baker, and I'm thinking, she's sitting here. I'm, I By the way, everybody, I asked Lori to make a carrot cake. I've been bugging her to make a damn carrot cake for so long, she finally did it. Yes. <laughs> she said it was out of her out of her realm, but yeah, she did a great job, and, but uh, yeah, I'm a baker. So, yeah, because baking is usually, it's not really in my wheelhouse. I'm not a baker. I'm not, uh, I mean, you know, like Christmas, maybe some Christmas cookies, that kind of thing. Um, But I'm not a, I'm not a baker other than that. Other than I have a particular super healthy version of bread, which, you know, isn't really bread because it has no white flour in it, but it's called power bread. And um, so it's like, it's really healthy and dense and I'll make that um, about a couple times a month and that's really good but other than that I I don't bake um, you know sweets and treats so so the carrot cake was a challenge and uh, you know guess what I had since I just did that yesterday guess what I had for my brunch today <laughs> what 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 I had the, the flipping carrot cake with my did I you had, really Man, yes, uh, just a few bites. I'm not sure you're going to say you had it for breakfast because sometimes when I make pizza, I'll eat that for breakfast the next day. <laughs> yeah, that's good too. But I'm not a breakfast yeah. eater. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I, uh, I don't like to eat breakfast. Um, my first sort of meal, I guess, if you will, of the day doesn't usually mm-hmm. happen until a good, mm, a good three or four hours after I get up, and then. And then I'll have usually, um, except on the weekend, I'll typically then have a protein smoothie. 
And then I don't eat again for out. I'm a real light eater during the day. I don't like to eat a lot of food. It just. Oh my God. So do you eat, do you eat heavy, like late at night? So I like to eat my, my favorite meal of the day is dinner. And that's when I like to just really eat a, a nice big meal. That's when I transition into evening and I don't feel like I need my brain to be at a hundred percent maximum power in the evening, you know, cause I'm winding down and transitioning before bed. And I find that eating a lot during the day, um, is the op, it has the opposite effect for me. It just slows me down. So, um, I just don't do it. I, I just like to be moving and have a great energy stream all day. So I, I start out with my coffee. Nobody messes with the morning coffee, right? In fact, I'm sipping <laughs> some coffee right. right now. A fat coffee. I like to call it fat coffee. You know, it's like a what bullet. Fat? What, yeah. Fat. Fat. It's full what? of, it's full of good fat. So. Coffee. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I, where have you been? You have not been. Wait a minute. The, do you put do you put oil in it and butter and Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Just coconut, coconut oil. Some people use MCT, which is, you know, a component in coconut oil. I just I just yes. get the coconut oil and grass-fed butter. And then that goes into some really good quality strong coffee, blend it up, and I am good to go for hours. It's awesome. You mean like good to go, like you actually, it helps you to go <laughs> or it's just a good booster. <laughs> I'm talking like brain fuel go. So between, oh, <laughs> between, okay. uh, I mean, I guess that, you know, I don't even want to talk about that right now, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the, uh, just the energy and clear thinking and, you know, just, well, that's uh, a part of it though, too. I mean, yeah, and I'm going to, I'm going to relate to that. So, okay. okay. Um, you sound like my, you sound like my hubby. He, uh, he likes his coffee, um, blonde as he puts it. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, he likes it blonde and he puts in a pad of Like his woman. (laughs) Oh, we both are. And he does put in the the MCT oil. Right. There you go. He does. Yeah. And I was like so shocked that he did that. That was like, wow. I'm like, wow, babe, you're educated. That's awesome. I'm glad you're doing it. But I don't. I put in separate. I don't put in the butter and I don't put in the oil because... Whenever I eat, I'm pretty good. I go. So I don't need coffee, really. So I just, I do it for, I usually have one cup, maybe two in the wintertime. And then I put coconut cream in it. That's my vice. Okay. Okay. So Mm -hmm. you like it just uh, like luscious, yummy. Got Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Anyway. Okay. So now that we greased our mornings. All good. All good stuff. So anyway, which is, you know, I guess it's kind of an interesting segue because, you know, you're, you've had such an interesting story, your, your whole life story, your life journey, what you've been doing for your, um, you know, entire adulthood pretty much. And now we'll talk about that in a minute, but then you've, you've really moved into, um, yoga and nutrition and I think you're even aren't you doing some life coaching as well yes ma'am so that's kind of fun it's 
So all of this is a huge segue into everything we want to talk about. So we'll just go about it however you want to. So yeah. whatever's just natural. I I feel like I go rogue into everything that I I do. And um, I have, you know, we all have transitions in life. And I think that's what people fear. And, and I like to face fear and I work well in chaos. And, you know, you being married to entertainment, and me being in entertainment, you understand what I'm saying, a chaotic lifestyle. And yes. so, yeah, you got to learn to adapt quickly. You got to, you get, you, you need to educate yourself on how you're going to react to situations that are not always going to go your way. So when you make, when you make decisions and you're going into transitions, which are very scary and it's very fearful, it's frightening. Um, I have found what, really has worked with me is mm-hmm. that I just do it even though I'm scared shitless or I'm just don't know what the outcome is going to be I have some sort of plan and I just do it and but I make sure that if it's unethical immoral or illegal I'll make sure that I won't do it however I love to push the envelope mm-hmm. and and that's that's been my motto. That's me. That's what I'm known for, pushing that envelope. And, you know, sometimes I never knew what some of the outcomes were going to be in life. And I thought they would go one way, but they absolutely went the other. And if, if they didn't go that way, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at today. Yeah. So, you know, every heartbreak, every decision that I've made, I just, I think the biggest transition is right now. Lord, you know, I've, uh, that's a Midwestern thing. I've always abbreviated names and I apologize if I. No, if that's I, good. I like it. Okay. It's all good. All right. I'm Laura. Right. You're Deb. <laughs> We're cool. <laughs> Lord. Hey, Lord, what's up? So, um, it kind of reminds me of a horror flick movie. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'll get into that later. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, uh, no, a good one. A good one. Okay, so, curious. Yeah, so I think when um, I think my choices in life really came from my childhood, and I bet you're wondering, like, what, how, why does that make sense? It does mm-hmm. because between zero and three is when we develop a lot of our personalities as a child, and right. then from three on up is a lot of. Um, I'm watching you, so I'm going to do. And it mm-hmm. becomes this, you know, this uh, input in a, in a human's brain. And I don't know how or why some of the things that I chose to do or didn't do based on my childhood upbringing. Um, you know, a lot of people feel that, you know, just because you've had a bad childhood that, you know, that you've always are overcoming adversities or there's this great Rocky story and whatever, whatnot. But a lot of times there isn't. I'm going to say 70% a lot of people can't pull out of things and it's unfortunate. And that's why a lot of people like yourself or me and your husband and other people in our uh, fields um, are, you know, it's kind of this shift in life where we're reaching out and helping people, touching people, um, advocating for this, advocating for that, um, stigmas against mental abuse, uh, physical abuse, um, uh, just 
all yeah. sorts of abuse, mental abuse. And so from the childhood, I, you know, I had quite a different environment. Uh, never knew who my father was. Didn't have any brothers or sisters. Um, I had a mother that shouldn't have been a mother, but I love her. She's my mother, my biological mother. I take care of her. Um, and so that really positioned me for my next step in life, the transition. Mm-hmm. So from childhood to teenage, I went rogue. <laughs> yeah. You know? So so what do you think? Like, what was your first, which I love, that's why I knew you'd be just a perfect guest because we, you know, our philosophy is so much about you got to, you got to shift um, to yeah. evolve in your life and shifting oftentimes requires really going rogue. So I knew that you were going to be such a great example of this. So what do you think was your Tell us what your first big going rogue, you know, transition or shift was. It was when I vaguely remember as a child that when I was, when I was being home left alone for days or uh, when the first day of school of kindergarten and I was walking out to the bus stop to my, you know, with myself and everyone else had parents. I knew right then and there, there needed to be change. And hmm. I told myself, and I'll never forget this, Lord, going out there to that bus stop and all the children looking at me. And, you know, I have this big patch on, you know, when we were younger, I had, it was like the bunny on there with my name. And I had to look for the bunny bus to get on yeah. the correct <laughs> or whatever it was. Right. And, and I'm standing there by myself wondering, well, where the hell is this bunny bus? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I have no one to direct me. I'll just kind of follow all these kids, you know? Yeah. And so I knew right then and there that this is not the environment I wanted. I remember I came home that day after kindergarten, and my mother never drank. She never took drugs. She never, you know, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Just very different. And... I came home that day, I'll never forget this, that, and I basically said and said to her, why weren't you there? This is awful. You, you need to do more for me or something. I'm like, where did this all come from? I'll never forget. It was some type of verbiage like that. I have yeah. no idea. I don't want to make shit up or anything, but I know it was some type of that degree because she chased me around the house and told me never to mobbed her. Never really? mobbed her again. Yeah. And I was just a young kid, and I'll never forget that. And then there was rebellious. It was so rebellious. I was rebellious in everything I did, and I tried to find. And then I knew it was going into the next big transition, as I remember it, to, in, into a teenager that the, I said, I'm not going to live here. I don't want to be my mother. I am not going to be. If I needed to change as a child, because I never had a huge mentor, a person to show me this is the right way or this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. I just knew I needed to get out of that environment. So I did. And when I turned 14, that was the biggest move I did. I I lied about my age. I got my first job, which was at Arby's Mm -hmm. for $1.70 an hour, whatever it was. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And as soon as I turned 15, I got my license back then um it was a permit thing yeah i got my license and i was going to school i quit school at 16 i think you could i think it was 16 and i got my ged well we have that we have that in common actually deb because i 
Yeah, almost. I quit uh, in my senior year, right after the first quarter of my senior year, and I did. The, I quit. All I wanted to do was work, and I got my GED. Are yes, you ma'am. kidding me? Oh my God! I just learned something about you, Laura. That's awesome. <laughs> no, you know. Anyway, yeah. So, so continue. So, okay. so as I did that, I found that. Oh my God. This is great out here in the business world. And something clicked. Mm-hmm. It's like I became a little entrepreneur then. Mm-hmm. However, just to back up real quick, my mother wasn't really lethargic. My mother is is just different. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand. So can, can I ask a quick question before you move on? Just, just so I can make sense of this in my head. I mean, you, you, you know, you said your mom, it's not like she was abusive or, or was an addict or no. any of that kind of thing, but w- was she just a really young mom or she just was, yeah. Yes. Okay. She was, okay. A, she was a woman that said it never had a child. Okay. And, but, um, and there are so many things in there that are just wrenching that are just unbelievable. That really made me who I was. Sure. And she, I believe, I don't want to say it on air, but I'll tell you after uh, on air. But um, anyway. Okay. Go back. Where, where was I? Okay. So you so got, yeah, you got your job. You're, yeah. mm-hmm. I was an entrepreneur. I knew that was kicking. And the reason why I knew I was an entrepreneur is because my mother bless her soul, we were on welfare. We were on boot stamps. We were on, oh my God, it was horrible. You know, so when I went to that bus stop and my clothes didn't match and, you know, later on I had boys waiting for me. They were beating me up every day after the bus stop. And that changed my, the whole trajectory of my whole life, you know, (laughs) kind of apropos to what I've ended up doing in my life. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to be beat up, you might as well get paid for it. <laughs> exactly. So when I when I uh, when I was younger, because we're all on welfare, you know, I was sick of getting beat up. I was sick of people teasing me. I was like, "What the hell? I need to change this." So what did I do? I went out and I started mowing lawns for fifty cents. And then I started in the winter time, coming from Minnesota. Yeah, I would shovel driveways for a dollar. I saved up money. For us, for me to buy food for the house, and mm-hmm. and that's what it basically all started. And I, you know, and then mm-hmm. I went into the teenage, and I told you about that, getting my first job. And then mm-hmm. after that, um, uh, I, I just applied myself before I quit school and everything. I was just the biggest jock. I was in gymnast. I was in track and field, and I was, you know, I was such a tomboy, and I was. Uh, just you know, the dirt bikes and everything, you know, and yeah, yeah. kind of it kind of rolled into later what I did again. So everything it was as we're talking about transition. That's why I say it's so important at a young age and the development of the environment of the child is so important. Mm-hmm. And I cannot stress enough. People say, oh, well, you need to do this. You need to put them in all of this. You need to do that. You can do all of that. But you got to watch your environment, your surroundings. You can't mm-hmm. control everything. But if it, you know, if it wasn't for my environment, and of course, times change, you know. It, it, we didn't yeah. have everything we have now like we did back then. And so, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there were things that we needed to think about 
to do things harder, fast, try to go faster and where things are easier to get to do faster things now. But, um, well, you know what, um, but I think what's interesting there though, is, you know, if 20 people could have had the exact same circumstances that you did, and maybe 19 of them would have not been able to rise above it, rise to the challenge, take kind of, you know, take control and make it work for them. You know what I mean? So there's something in you, even, you know, being five years old at the bus stop, you had a profound awareness that said, you know what, this freaking sucks. This has got to change. This isn't right. You know, so there was something just in you. And I think it's just important for people to know that, um, everybody, most people that have somehow attained some measure of what success means for them in their life, um, uh, most of those people have had some sort of adversity in their life. It's, it's the, it's like the 1% of the population that actually has had stuff handed to them. Everybody else has been working their ass off, you know, for, for their idea of happiness and success. And most of those people have had some version or form of, you know, hardship or unfavorable circumstances or whatever. So it's really, you really don't, you think you have to, you really have to have some self-awareness and cultivate that drive within yourself to, to use it as fuel and not to be, you know, held back because of it and stuck because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Hardships do fuel everything for, I, I believe, most people uh, because they sure in the hell don't want to feel like that again. And in, in, in since my childhood was such a profound moment, it actually, it, it actually molded um, my life and good, better, and different. Um, which is in my biography, which I've been you know writing for 25 years. It is coming out sometime <laughs> here soon. No, let me tell you, it's, a, it's an amazing, an amazing childhood um, uh, look back. Um, I'll tell you later too. But anyway, so the the uh, it's amazing. So um, with that going forward, I you know I met I met I think the next biggest pivotal point. I ran into a girlfriend of mine. And she was dating this guy who was a Hollywood stunt coordinator. And uh, he, he performed all of these stunts with top people like, uh, his name is Kai Michelson. He's from Minnesota. And he, he did stunts for Dar Robinson and, and Burt Reynolds. And a lot of them, he did a lot of them for Burt Reynolds, Dar did, which Kai is the one that programmed all of that. Um, Ellis, Ellis Edwards, you know him. He's a big yep. friend of ours. He knows mm-hmm. he uh, he knows Kai very well. Well, anyway, this is how I met Kai before I met anybody, any of you guys. I met Kai, Kai's girlfriend, which was my girl or my girlfriend Jenny, at some bar. Uh, it was in a bar. It was at a, it, it was Lake Minnetonka at some beach bar. I can't think of the place, but and she was dating this guy, typical Jenny guy, twenty years older, hot, whatever. You know, I'm like, okay, that's Jen. <laughs> And so I, she introduced me to this guy, and he just kept bugging me. You need to be in the entertainment business. You need, and I'm like, what a creep! Your girl's sitting right there. You're trying to hit on me. You know my attitude. Get, get yeah, bug off, dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it ain't happening. So 
I mean, finally he did. And this is when it happened, where he introduced me to a local promoter in um, Minnesota. And and I, he said I should be in the entertainment. And I thought, well, great, I can be a stunt woman. I can be like, you know, Kitty. Kitty is, uh, oh, God dang, Kitty just passed away, too. She was the fastest woman in a jet fuel car. And um, he he did a lot of her um, uh, Guinness World Book of Records in her car in the desert. And so that's just what kind of guy he is, is when he touches somebody, it's like they become amazingly, um, they do well for themselves. Uh-huh. So not only do we do for Dar and Bert and Kitty and, and Ben myself. And so he said, no, I mean pro wrestling. And then I thought, are you kidding me? No way. I'm not going to sit there and do that, you know, spit yeah. and scream, sweaty. Well, no. So I did it. And then that was the next pivotal thing. And then my life changed and I dove right into it. However, prior to that, I was just putting myself through nursing school. You know, just, you know, thinking, hey, you know, I got this nice car, a nice apartment, and put myself to school. I got out of the ghetto. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. the ghetto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, I'm telling you, I lived in the ghetto. The, ge- the ghettos and, uh, of Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. You just don't usually hear those two, you know, things tied together. But <laughs> Oh, well, believe me, they existed in Minnesota. Yeah. So, and, well, we were on welfare and stuff, so... Um, so well, not everybody on welfare lived in ghetto, but anyway. So yeah. we, um, let's see, where was I? Oh, okay. So the wrestling. Yes. Yeah, so the wrestling happened. That was the next big pivotal change, and I, I, I jumped into it, and I was nursing before then, and I just said, I he brought me to one of these, you know, independent. Um, shows and brought me to Brad Rangings and I just like, oh my God, I can do this. Yeah. And all of a sudden, before you know it, I quit my nursing and there I was. And then 18 years of wrestling, we won't get into all that. We know how that went. And let me tell you, there was a lot of trials and errors in that. A lot of transitions, a lot of ups and downs. And mm-hmm. and then the next big pivotal was the monster trucks. So, I mean, I, I mean, that was crazy. That was almost like a great marriage and one of my better ones. But anyway, so it was like really awesome because I'm a gearhead riding Harleys and, um, you know, four wheelers and dirt bikes, sure, whatever. Sure. So that was a great, that was, I mean, I jumped all in. I never drove a damn monster truck before. What the hell? Who does that? Yeah, that's, you know? that so, is just, it's so crazy. I mean, and really crazy. you're going, you're going, you're going rogue, um, moments. I mean, it's, uh, I, I'm looking for a word I can't even find cause the, they're pretty like freaking massive. I mean, from nursing to professional wrestler and then, you know, that was probably like the biggest gigantic right leap right there. And then. And then from, you know, wrestling into monster truck driver. I mean, yeah. yeah. Wow. And I mean, if you've been, let me tell you, I, I, I don't regret anything. There's a few things I probably would have liked to have done different. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't regret anything. I met some amazing people and mm-hmm. I, and a lot of the good ones have stayed in my life. We've had differences. We've had whatever, but the, even though you may not talk to them sometimes for a couple of years, they come back in your life. And it's for a reason. My whole thing when I, um, when I started my life coaching, 
I, I use this terminology that it's a full circle because mm-hmm. it, every, our, our life is a full circle. And I kind of use the analogy is, is when we start, we're babies, we grow, our parents take care of us, we go through life, we come back, our kids take care of us, and we die. And it's just, it's a full, it's a full circle. And I mean that very respectfully, of course. Sure, sure. And yeah, and I, I, I am in the biggest transitional, I feel, right now, Lord, of my mm-hmm. life. So when you said we were going to talk about this, this is what I was gearing for is this moment right here to tell you that when I became, when I turned 55, I was like, oh my gosh, this last year and a half has been one of the craziest years that I could remember. Now I've been through a really? lot. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, I would love to tell you some of the stuff, but I'm saving it for something. But I'm going to tell you, just mark this, that this okay. last year and a half was, I mean, no, no. I mean, you can keep it on the, on the, on the, on the radio or on the gimmick or whatever. <laughs> but okay. the last year and a half is, is um, the last year and a half changed my life. And I'm so intrigued because, you know, given all the stuff that you've just shared and what you've done to have something yeah. that is like even larger in a way or more extreme than that, um, you have my mm-hmm. curiosity totally peaked. Well, you know, when I just turned, well, I just turned, you know, 55 uh-huh. and so I just retired from monster trucks. So here is a 55-year-old woman driving monster trucks. I just retired. Okay. Who, who's yeah. doing that? Nobody. All right. <laughs> right. And all, I, look for, I look back at all these things that I've done. Could I still do it? Yeah. I probably could hop in, hop into another one. Yep. Could I wrestle? Yeah. There's that full circle of life. I started wrestling in 1983 or 84. And I just had my last wrestling match with WWE. Mm-hmm. And and I'm thinking now there's my full circle that's that's completed. Mm-hmm. Um, my next full circle is with the monster trucks. I raced for 18 years, and there's a new organization that has started that I will be affiliated with. But I can't tell you much more. That I'll probably fulfill that too, and that'll become a full circle. Mm-hmm. And yes, and and thirdly, becoming 55, I just. I feel like as I, a woman of age, that's how I call it. I don't know what anyone else calls it because I don't think, I think age is, I mean, it's just a number. It's how you feel and what you can do with yourself and your body and how yeah. you handle yourself or um, even though all, all the younger, um, let's just say talent or people may call us irrelevant or not relevant or whatever in this business. Yeah. Who cares? Um, who cares? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, those are things, that's what I'm saying. Those are things that you have to, when you're still in the business, this change of life at 55, I have, I have never in my life felt so comfortable within my own skin and accepting who I am as a woman and being who I am at 55 and being able to share and explain uh, myself and stories of all the things and adversities that I've done and let people know that do preach the irrelevancy that they're going to be this age someday. 
And the ones yeah. that do call us that, I say to them that I'm lucky that you can call me that because you may not reach it to 55. So be careful what you say. You can learn <laughs> a lot from us, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's not a dig. It's the truth. And yeah. so it's just called it's just called respect. So this next big transition in my life, you I have found that how do you how do you how do you do it? How do you accept it? What do you do? Well, I mean, do you do you, do you get a regular job? Do you do this? Do you venture off in that? Am I going to be a cooking star? Am I going to be a yoga instructor? Am I going to da da da? So, I, you know, there's a lot of things that come in your head when you've been out in the public for 36 years. Yeah. So, yeah, and this is another big transition of my life: finding acceptance within yourself and being okay with it. And and not, um, not having to have other people's acceptance to say it's okay. It's, yeah, I've, I I feel yeah. yeah. I, I know exactly. Yeah. I I felt uh, every year that you know goes by, I have felt more and more and more of exactly what you're just describing. I I remember on the day. Um, on my 50th, I think it was my 50th birthday. And, um, and Eric, uh, says to me, you know, how do you feel? And even at that time I said, my, I was so excited. I was just so excited because I felt like more fierce than I've ever felt in my life. Every year that goes by, I feel more fierce because of the things you just said. I feel more, um, just comfortable being exactly who I, who I am and who I want to be without feeling like I have to have somebody's approval or I have to edit myself or, you know, like I have to uh, make sure that, um, I create a certain perception. I'm not so concerned about that as you are, you know, when you're younger and I don't care about that stuff. What I care about now more than anything is not making sure that other people feel good about me. Now I care about just me feeling good all the time. And, that, and that's my barometer. How do I feel? And I feel yeah. best when I'm just being the person that you, I organically am and have grown to be y- through my own experiences and knowing what I want now and what, uh, and what I don't want, what I'm not willing you, to tolerate. Did you find yourself, um, did you have to, because this is, did you have to find yourself shifting into a different um, category, Mm. almost? Uh, Like, okay, so I still work, and and I still work with the 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds with WWE, going to the facility, doing this on social media, so... It's uh-huh. very hard when you're still involved with that platform, I guess. Okay. So it's not that finding yourself that you have to compete with them. That's where you have to learn to separate yourself. But yeah. You feel that, yeah. So I've learned that I need to shift myself into a whole new platform of people that I start following to get followers back, meaning of my 
real my age, my platform. So when I, a year ago, I was starting to look at my damn social media and I'm thinking, well, hell, all of this is just 30, 40 year olds almost. Right. You know, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of this with my business and there's other people on there, but the demographics were still young. Um, I have a young personality. I can, you know, I can yeah. hang in a room of politicians would need be, or else I can just drop the F-bomb whenever I need to. I get it. Right. I know once you turn it on and off. However, for me to shift into this new life, I'm calling it like this new life. Like you said, when you turned 50, it was like, Whoa! <laughs> <You know? laughs> Exactly. <laughs> And it was just like, it's like at every decade, <laughs> like at 20, I was like, Woo, I'm vibrant, I'm sexy, I got to get a boyfriend. And then at 30s, I'm like, gosh, do I get married? I need to have a baby. And at 40, I'm like, oh, shit, my mother was right. I lost my eyesight. Where's my fucking readers? And then at 50, I was like, damn it, 50, what's going on? I got gray hairs where? Oh, my God, I still... Oh, the shit's saying, you know, shit's yeah. going south or, you know, things are right. happening. Right. So I think it's called self-love and, you know, and accepting <laughs> who you are. And, and right. you know, right. I, 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 I think like your priorities just, your priorities change a little bit. They you know, do, I, don't I, they? And yeah. I think that's and, a good point. That's a good point, Laura. I think yeah. it's okay to let people know that your priorities need to change. With you, as you change mm-hmm. with your life, yeah. I mean, you're not going to yeah. have the same. Okay, I hate to say this because I know you and I just went through this, but we're not going to have the same animals. We're going to have new yeah. ones, and we have to learn how to shift. And it's hard as hell. It's like mm-hmm. God, my heart was just ripped out because I just mm-hmm. lost my two dogs, you know, a yeah. year ago. Yeah, and it's just. You know, or someone goes through a bad marriage, or we lose a friend, and mm-hmm. that whole shift fucks you up, man. Let me tell you. Anyway, yeah. I just threw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, and to that point, I, I do want to come back around and talk about that a little bit because there's some pretty interesting stuff there too. But, but I, I agree. I just think that there's seasons we go through seasons, and for me. You know, you like you use the uh, the reference of full circle, and what the reference that I always use is, I don't have as a succinct way of putting it, but I look at things like our life, not linear, but I look at it because most people look at life as linear. So a beginning, you know, you're born, the whole middle part, and then the end when you die, and so it's a very linear way of. Um, perceiving, um, the life experience. I look at it as like a funnel cloud. So where you go, you know, you're going in, there's a full circle thing, but you're spiraling up and the spiral gets wider as it goes up. So to me, it signifies, I, I think of it that way because I feel like as the spiral is going up, you're growing. It represents growth to me. And as the spiral, you know, the diameter is getting wider. Like if you picture a funnel cloud or a funnel, it gets wider as it get, you know, as it goes up. And to me, that uh, symbolizes your expansion, um, you know, as, as a human being. So, Um, I just, I feel like that's why I feel so awesome every year that goes by. I don't look at it as nearing an end point, like on the the linear line. I look at it as 
another another circle of growth and another expansion of that circle because now I'm that much more, you know, experienced. I'm that much wiser. I've grown that much more. I know that much more. I I'm more of I become more of a master of myself as you know, as the funnel keeps expanding. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I use that analogy with my clients. I use the lifeline and that's kind of like a heartbeat when you see it on the transmitter. Mm-hmm. And I use it as your heartbeat goes, you know, all the way across. And all of a sudden, you know, when you're dead, it flatlines, it flatlines. Okay. I get that. However, we're going to have all of that. And at those, those are the points where I said, that's where we're growing. That's where we're coming down. We're growing, you know, mm-hmm. you find out your medium. So yeah. So different mm-hmm. analogies, but yes, yeah, but yet the same. Absolutely. Everyone has their ways of explaining it, but I think it's, yeah, it's a beautiful part. I just don't want to think when I say full circle, our life does come around full circle. And mm-hmm. when I was explaining about the, my transitions in a, in a way that it, um, I, yeah, we're going to, I first started explaining this. Yes, we're born, you know, our parents take care of us. We go through life, boom, 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 finally our kids take care of who we die. No, it's, that's the whole full circle. But inside, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like the lifeline. So even though we keep doing these full circles within our big circle, and those are our transition, um, transition periods, those are our, um, like our heart rate moving up and down. And so, um, with the first transition to the second transition to this transition, um, where I'm at now is through my whole life, I've always kept myself active. Um, I knew somehow that, you know, this, this business that I chose was, was something I wanted to do because I'm an entertainer, but I knew in life that nothing is forever. And how I knew that it was embedded in me as a child. And not that someone told me that, I just saw, I learned at those pivotal moments as a child that I saw with life, human beings, that nothing is forever. So Mm -hmm. I knew I needed to take action on every freaking thing that I did and jump into it like there was no tomorrow, going into it rogue in every freaking situation, like I'm this crazy freaking lady, cat lady or something, you're just <laughs> crazy lady, and just, you know, and did everything I could without hurting somebody or stepping on their toes, just looked the frick out, man, because I am here to accomplish. And that's what I do in everything that I, I you know, mm-hmm. I'm strung yeah. out, Laura, you know, you're you seem a little more calm and you'd probably be good for me, for me to hang around. Cause I'm just like a strong out individual sometimes. <laughs> but, but, we'll and, have a little yin yang session here. Yeah. Let me tell you. And, uh, but I love it. That's me. That's how I operate. When I have a day and I, it's like a very day, close, slow day. Let's just call it slow day or just a very nice quiet day. Those days I, I find myself freaking out sometimes. I used to. I'm learning how to do it better. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, I'm here with my clients talking to them and trying to, you know, educate this part. And I'm, you know, I get off the phone and I'm biting the bit myself, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, uh, 
but um, you know, I think that's where it's it's boring to talk about because people hear it crammed down their throats all the time. But that's where, again, it's so important just to have a little bit of balance. I mean, I like to go a hundred miles an hour all day, every day, and I ramp up and I ramp up, and then I catch myself going, "Wait a sec, I'm just like." I haven't had, well, I can feel it when I'm out of balance and then I need, I need a day or I need to make sure I, I have days periodically on a regular basis though, where I have nothing on my calendar. I have nothing scheduled so that I can just be still and process and not have, you know, all of the craziness going on. And then, you know, and I make sure that even if I have these busy, crazy days that I have moments, um, in the day, you know, whether it's when I first get up in the morning or for sure when I go to bed at night. And even if I have to just in the middle of the day, if I only have time for, you know, three minutes to just sit, close my eyes, breathe, you know, do a quick little meditation just to make sure I'm not, you know, just spinning wildly. Uh, Otherwise I, I can do that. I can just be bouncing off of this wall and that wall, you know, like a, like a pinball. (laughs) If I'm not careful. No, yeah, I get you. I do. I find, I do mine differently. Um, I, I wake up in the morning and the first thing I got to do is I wake up, I stretch the dogs usually look at my plate, my face by then, but I stretch. Mm -hmm. And when I get out of bed, the first thing I do and I've done it since day one, is I make my bed. Now, you can call me freaking weird, but mm-hmm. even when I wake up in a hotel, I make the hotel bed. That's so <laughs> weird because I just feel like I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a bed maker, I too. I make the hotel bed just because it makes me feel organized, and it sets my day. Yes. And I've been that way. It's a day one, and it's like, if my bed, now there's been days where I just, something has happened I got up and it's like everything is just was chaotic and I turn around I'm like no wonder why my day my bed my bed wasn't made yep yes I get it I'm the same way yeah yeah I I have to have that that's part of my environment's got to be organized and that is making the bed sets the tone for the day so even if I don't do it immediately I you know I might go get my my nice fat coffee first but I do come back and before I really get too much into my day, I got to have the bed made and that does, it makes me feel organized. It sets the tone for the day. I just think that I really subscribe to that notion for the most part. Um, the, uh, the saying, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when I'm going to do a task, whether it's making sure that my, you know, bedroom is organized and put together or, you know, whether it's whatever it is I'm doing, it's just, I really, I really strive to do everything, even the smallest task at a, a high standard. So it's done well. It's done right. So I'm making a new resolution. Not that it has to be just for every new year. There's a resolution thing here Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, because it is New Year's Eve, maybe, huh? But Mm -hmm. so there you go. Right on time. Yeah. So I'm saying to myself, you know, I think, I think, I think my husband needs to have sex every morning before I make the bed. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I think that's going to benefit us both. So, <laughs> yeah, make, make sure you have right the priorities organized um, in such a way that you don't have to make the bed twice. Well, then, well, maybe we could have sex twice. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, so that is all the time we have today. So you're going to definitely want to join us next week for part two of our interview with Medusa. If you enjoy We're Talking Shift, please go on over to iTunes, subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us some comments. We love to read what you have to say. You can also listen by going to patreon.com forward slash talking shift. And that's where you will also find out more about the uh, give a buck movement. You're going to want to check that out. You can find us of course, all over social media. We're talking shift podcast is on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and of course we're talking shift.com. So go out, make some shift happen. And Oh, you too, Gary V. The following podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be sent to desantisprod at gmail.com.